and welcome to a most excellent 80s movie podcast on the most excellent podcast network. It's the podcast where a filmmaker brain, a basket case comedian, and a princess actor hang out in the library of life to talk about the 80s movies we love so much. This is season one, episode six, The Breakfast Club, our movie selection from 1985. It is now 7.06. You have exactly eight hours and 54 minutes to ponder the error of your ways. Any questions? Yeah. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? A brain, a beauty, a jock, a rebel, and a recluse. I can't believe this is really happening to me. Before this day is over, they'll break the rules. <coughs> Chicks, can I hold a smoke? That's what it is. Bare their souls. I'm a nymphomaniac. Are your parents aware of this? Take some chances. Being bad feels pretty good. Huh? And touch each other in a way they never dreamed possible. Why'd you do that? Because I knew you wouldn't. Oh. The Breakfast Club. They only met once. I don't want to be alone anymore. You don't have to be. But it changed their lives forever. I, mean, I consider you guys my friends. I'm not wrong, am I? Universal Pictures presents Emilio Estevez, Paul Gleason, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy in a John Hughes film. Why are you being so nice to me? Because you're letting me. The Breakfast Club. Hello, I am comedian Chrissy Lenz, uh, director of National Comedy Theater. And with me, as always, is... Oh, hello. Uh, Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker. And uh, today we have our very first guest, actor Adam Rainey. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. Thank you for having me as your very first guest. I'm happy to be here. Yep, you're at the top of the list. So Adam and I uh, have worked together many times. Uh, he's the star of the uh, uh, Voyage Trekkers, the sci-fi comedy that we've done together. And then... Uh, bunch of other stuff too huh yeah a lot of little things here and there not all of it released <laughs> <laughs> the the majority 85 percent of it released it's that other 15 percent though where yeah. the magic really happens mm-hmm. all right so you're going to kind of summarize this movie for us all right so the breakfast club is a movie about um some nice 80s archetypes all staying together in a room uh, I guess that's called detention. They have a very um, poor supervisor who is frequently leaving, who gives them an assignment that is almost never referenced. Yeah, and kind of at the beginning and then again <laughs> at the end. There's also a janitor who says that he reads all of their letters. And it uh, ends with all of them taking drugs, falling in love, and destroying a lot of property. So much. Someone's getting in trouble for that glass door. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be the teacher. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so what is your like personal history with The Breakfast Club or just like 80s mm-hmm. movies in general? So the first time I ever saw The Breakfast Club, I was, I think, seven or eight years old. Um, my older cousin was babysitting and thought it would be a good idea for me and my five-year-old sister to watch it. And you want to learn that stuff early. Yeah. Um, Give you a nice heads up before you enter puberty. I, I think I remember her telling you, this is going to be very meaningful to you. 
to watch this. Um, oh, no. In 10 years. As, as a seven-year-old, I mostly just got along with people and talked about X-Men. So it, it really did not mean anything, but I was excited to hear the swears. Yeah. There are some good ones. Quality swears. Uh, for me, so this wasn't the, like, for, for me, like, the, my John Hughes movie was, like, Ferris Bueller or, like, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and then came a little later to, like, The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I'd say, like, my late teens. Probably the age you should probably watch it in. Slightly um, more Or early 20s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller filmed at the same time as this movie, at the same high school. Jeez Louise. Really being efficient. This sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> um, I saw this movie also, I think, when I was in my early teens, maybe. So probably about 10 years later. And not for the first time, but like for the first time, I really, it meant something to me when it was like, you know, 1995. And I'm like a teenage kid trying to figure out which one of these things I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just really wanting to be some kind of perfect combination of Molly Ringwald and Ali Sheedy. And I think I've achieved that. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I did a little bit of history homework, 1985. Mm-hmm. And there were actually some interesting things this time. Oh, good. <laughs> so cost of living in 1985, an average home cost $75,000. Average income, $22,000. So that hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> a gallon of gas is a dollar. Movie tickets are two seventy-five, And for some reason, they included that bacon is one sixty-five per pound. Ah. Does anybody know the current per pound price of bacon? I think it's a lot more. I think it's like $6 a pound or something. Bacon inflation. Houses and bacon. Yeah, there was that moment when when uh, Vernon, the uh, the teacher, was talking about, oh, I make $23,000. I like, wrote it down. He says he makes $31,000 Oh, wow. So that was meant to impress us. It, yes, he's well above average. Wow. Oh, you could tell by that suit. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on with that suit. It's Those really, colors really nice. Were great. Now, was that before or after Miami Vice? Because that could have inspired. That look. <laughs> yeah. That, like, suit but no tie mm-hmm. look, like business but also party mm-hmm. but also that man had no sense of fun i don't know whatsoever i feel like he's got a, a dark inner life <laughs> yeah yeah what what are uh, when he's not uh in charge of detention what do you think his weekends are like um i i picture him like going to biker bars and kicking over the motorcycles waiting to see what happens if anybody's going to confront him about it and then use some of his signature catchphrases brag about how much money he makes Mess with a bull. Mm-hmm. Get those horns. Um, let's see. Also in 1985, Calvin and Hobbes premieres. I mean, that's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo's released. <sighs> I would definitely remember that time. So lots of fun stuff happening. New Coke. What? That's yeah. That's 1985. Uh, and Michael Jordan is named Rookie of the Year. All right. So thoughts. Who has thoughts? On the movie itself? Who wants to share them? Yep. Um, there were a few things that stood out to me. I think that um, that Dick, he came up with the assignment, if I'm not mistaken, you each have to write a thousand-word essay. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a lot of homework. About who you are. Yeah, that's a lot of homework for him, though. To read He's got to read all of those. And w- w- it's for what? There's not a grade. You don't have to stay until you finish. 
he could probably motivate them to do it if they could leave after they were done. Yeah. He does specifically say you can't write the same word a thousand times. Mm -hmm. But he could have just walked in and said, you're all going to do a thousand push-ups. Just tell tell me when you're done. It would take take roughly the same amount of time for me to pull that up. Um, He also only gives them one sheet of paper a piece. Yeah, you got to write small, I guess. Super small. Did they have pencils? I know the one kid had a pen he was chewing on. Yeah, I think he brought that from home, though. All right, so that was that was not well thought out on his part. Um, <laughs> the other thing, I feel like um, the the rebel character he was he's the exact midpoint fashion wise between Marlon Brando and Kurt Cobain. Like he's <laughs> he's the direct center of those two. Another uh, another memory that came back to me of that initial watch when I was younger was when she scratches her head and the dandruff falls onto the oh yeah onto the drawing. I remember thinking, oh, that's what that stuff is. It's <laughs> it's snow. It's snow. Yeah, it's hair snow that you manufacture yourself. That was a lot of dandruff, though. It did not register as disgusting to a seven year old. Just mm-hmm. just fun. Awesome. Just Look whimsy. She's a really good artist. I think I tried this. Yeah, I was impressed. I think I tried sure. to do that in class later that week, and uh, that was your that was your takeaway. Yeah, I think other people were ahead of me on on what is acceptable hygiene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, when you're seven, like I currently have a seven year old, just holding him down is sometimes the best we can do. Yeah, um, that is an, it always was an impressive amount of dandruff. But what I really love was the. Um, Captain Crunch sandwich. Yeah. Like, I tried that. Did you ever try that? No, no. You should try it. Okay. No, you really shouldn't. And it's on, like, white bread. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of food, Claire eats non-refrigerated sushi in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Ah, the 80s. And uh, I didn't see, like, a freezer pack or anything in no. there, so. Mm-mm. No. But what she did have, instead of keeping it hygienically cool, was a little wooden plate for it to sit on because that's the most important thing mm-hmm. well how else is the audience going to know it's foreign exactly yeah. they, they really need well that's the thing so i i took a look at the original script and at the end they have like an american graffiti thing where they say what happened to everyone and she unfortunately died because of the sushi <laughs> she got some sort of ah so i guess i guess uh... yeah it was a real downer i understand why they cut that's it. not what i was expecting yeah yeah they all died, but just different ways. So Bender got to keep that diamond. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, he like immediately walked to a pawn shop. Yeah, like she with just, that diamond. At the end of the day, like he might just be the best con man ever. <laughs> <laughs> he just got to leave with that fat well, diamond. Well, he's yeah. twenty two. Mm-hmm. The actor was twenty two, so he's probably just there to pick up chicks. Mm-hmm. He's he's probably adjunct faculty there. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I did read some fun some fun facts about Judd Nelson in this movie. Mm-hmm. Who I had been writing him all my notes, Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. <laughs> From Taxi? Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a much different movie. It would have been... It's a different take. I would have loved would to have seen that. that. Yeah. yeah. I would also see this uh, epilogue movie that you're describing where we right. find out what happened to them all. Right. The next day. Yeah, yeah. Or, and or horrific deaths. I'll send you the script. Okay, great. You know, him being 22, I'm starting, I, th- I think I might have a theory about him. I, th- I think that he is uh, an adjunct drama teacher there and that he's he's the one that's actually watching the other kids. Oh. And it's sort of a, 
whole play that he puts on. <laughs> they all come Dan. out and he gives them a clap. Well done. You've yeah. all passed my test. Because he does three or four monologues throughout oh, the whole does. thing. Yeah. And and so maybe the essay is, essay is like all his idea. Mm-hmm. He wants to really get to know these kids. That would be amazing. Exactly. He did, like Judd Nelson went undercover at that high school for a couple weeks before they started filming and like yeah, just pretended was... to be a student. And did he pre-install that guillotine there? I think he must have, yeah. He had to special order that. Yeah, I, I heard that he was just super um, in character all the time that he was bullying Molly Ringwald. <laughs> and they almost fired him because of it. Yeah, and like John Hughes hates him now. Yeah. Or hated him then. I hope they made up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got... All right, so everyone arrives. Uh, um, so in the beginning, everyone arrives, and you get to see all the, the, you know, all the different kids and their parents, and you get kind of a quick snapshot of what each of these people are like, what's going on, and their, you know, and why they got detention um, before we first, you know, they first all get together, and then I'm walking through the plot here, um, but. <laughs> And so, um, everyone, so yeah, I, I kind of like that how we get those little snapshots of everyone up front mm-hmm. in their inner world, in their private world, kind of before, you know, it kind of creates because we, we, you were saying about like these 80s archetypes, like you've got the brain, you've got the princess, you know, the jock. Um, and then you that kind of paints those pictures a little clearer when we first meet them. Uh, it's interesting. So, so I actually did take a look at w- one of the original scripts, um, but it, it's kind of cool because um, you saw uh, Judd Nelson's um, actual dad. Like he was, you know, they, it's great how it's in the movie where he's not being dropped off. He's kind of like abandoned by that. But you actually saw what his dad was like because he was dropping him off. He was just like a, just like a, a you know, like a mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a schlumpy, yeah. calling him a waste of lunch meat waste of lunch meat yeah that's that is harsh yeah everyone deserves lunch meat i know right (gasps) it's probably one of the more wasted meats you buy too much sits in the fridge you throw it away i mean how much is a half pound you really don't it's so hard to it's one rb sandwich (laughs) so yeah they they all get the assignments um for those of you just tuning in um and (laughs) And then it, it really is kind of like a stage play. It's all more or less one in one location. Yeah, you know. And I really like that. I think it's I think it's really cool. It's kind of like airplane. Everything happens in this one like little location, mm-hmm. and they don't really go outside of it. But boy, do they pack a lot into a day. Yeah, they really get a lot done. Not as much as Ferris Bueller, though. That's true, but he is he, there like an infographic of that that shows like all the things, all the the time manipulation that Ferris Bueller's. It was a lot of multiple locations, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did what they could with the space there. They went into the vents. Mm-hmm. They did. They were climbing on dinosaur bones. <laughs> they had secret. That was a very stable structure in the middle of that library, though. If you can put a fully grown twenty-two-year-old teenager on top of it, riding it like a bull. Well built. Way to go, Shermer, Illinois. I think I just noticed a connection. Uh, when she's making that sandwich with the Captain Crunch, mm-hmm. she removes the lunch meat. And, then and it's like and pimento. And wastes the lunch meat upon that oh, yeah. dinosaur. With so the little pimentos. I wonder if that was originally a metaphor for that other character who was wasted lunch who meat. Who was a waste Ooh, yeah. of lunch meat. Man, cut from the script. That's deep. 
That's a really deep connection. Well, sometimes when you've got to cut down for time, you lose those subplots. Mm -hmm. Just keep that metaphor. But I mean, we all saw it. Mm-hmm. And it affected us all on some level. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seven-year-old Adam was somehow deeply changed. It's like, if I throw my meat, will it stick? <laughs> and what does that mean about life exactly. and about being a person? <laughs> Am I lunch meat? Yeah. Am I the pimento I can't loaf? believe he, on his tombstone, it says, if I throw my meat, will it stick? <laughs> We're really getting into a lot of lunch meat talk here. Welcome to lunch meat talk. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so who is your favorite character, like, then and now? Like, did, has it changed now that you're, like, at, like, as a parent, it feels different to watch this movie now than it did when I was a grumpy teenager. Right. Well, as the non-parent here, um, I don't remember if I had a – I mean, I probably – it's tough because, I mean, I do like Anthony Michael Hall, but he's not really cool – um, he doesn't have really any great moments. What are you talking about? That's madness. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I guess there's He more. has all my favorite moments. <sighs> all right. When they're sitting there and he's like, I'm in a club. I'm in a math club. Yeah, that's I'm true. I'm in a physics club. We talk about physics and the properties of physics. He brought a gun to school before that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A flare gun. <laughs> and the so I can vote line. Yeah. Why that, do you have a fake ID good. so I can vote? He ad-libbed that. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I was uh, more fascinated by Ali Sheedy's character this time around than mm-hmm. I, I was in the past. Why? Tell us why. I don't know. Just so mysterious. And you're, it, she is the biggest mystery box out of all of them of, like, what is her deal? And it's not really any big thing. It's just that she's lonely, you know? Yeah. Her parents really do ignore her when they drop her off. Were, were you guys... They Were you just guys drive away. expecting the reveal on her to be something much worse than ignored? Yeah. Because I, I feel like they were alluding to something much worse than ignored. And then, than being yeah. ignored. And yeah, then... and then it was like, oh, thank goodness it was ignored. We can deal with that. We can deal with that. <laughs> it's pretty sad. I thought, pretty this, sad I thought this was going to become an important movie. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> A very special episode of The Breakfast Club. It is nice, though, that like when she's talking to Emilio Estevez in that part, like it's sort of the two opposite ends of that parental spectrum where the one just has his life completely controlled by his parents and he doesn't care what is he 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 says like he wins because he's got strength and speed like a racehorse that must have been a tough line to get out but yeah but he doesn't care about it at all like he he even says at one point he hopes that he gets injured so he doesn't have to do it anymore and like her Mm -hmm. parents don't care what she does yeah it's a weird little sadness rainbow yeah, and and I, cause I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Like I, I also really liked Emilio Estevez's kind of like journey discovery. Like really in the big, in kind of the the big ending, he really kind of got the the main stage on that because it's a tricky thing because they all have to kind of reveal why they got in there or what their problem is, and you can't just have like five of those reveals or stories in a row and so he really kind of got the main stage and then you have these kind of like little one-offs as they battle each other and then the other stuff kind of comes out or you know with like judd hirsch aka judd Judd nelson (laughs) he his was way earlier you know his was like way up front and so they had to kind of space those out and things like that but what do you think what do you think emilio estefez's joint was laced with because his behavior was something not indicative of the typical powers. Yeah. 
psychic powers, dance powers. He was able to destroy a window with his mind. Yeah. There's photographic proof. <sighs> Punched himself in the face over and over again. That was There was a lot of aggression. Yeah. I feel like that was more of an interpretive dance. Yeah, it was like a he footloose kind of feelings. moment. Mm-hmm. So much working out of our emotions through dance in the 80s. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like we should return to that mm-hmm. as, a, as a way of just like resolving inner conflict. But I also feel like we should just be breakfast clubbing people. In like 2018, like just put. What does that mean? Like we put everybody in a library mm-hmm. and breakfast club. <laughs> we breakfast club them. At the end, everybody reveals, you know, what their deepest, darkest secrets are and how they don't really feel, you know, loved or validated or seen. It's because don't we? We all just want to be seen, right? So, Crazy. what's your yeah. problem? We put everybody in a library and like they work their problems out at the end of the day. One person writes an essay, uh-huh. and and we all just emerge better people. <laughs> what do you think would happen if you took five people and locked them into a library without phones? I'm hoping at the end, two of them, would be, four of them would become couples. Yeah. A diamond would be exchanged. Mm-hmm. A patch and a sweater would be stolen. I mean, they're just, they're, you're going to make connections and break down barriers. But the, the key is to really, like, define people as one thing. And then one person of each category right. needs to... we got to get the right five people to Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. It's the Breakfast Club corporate retreats. It's like putting yeah. together a boy band. Mm-hmm. You need all those different parts. They have to be equally represented. But I, I feel like this was the beginning of like... So I don't know when the last time was that either of you boys watched Dawson's Creek. It's been a while. I don't think Did you I've ever seen... watch Dawson's Creek? No. I think when that was big, I was watching uh, Melrose Place reruns on oh. E. Nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, like, the kids on Dawson's Creek, they're just, like, really in touch with their emotions. Like, they can just identify them and name them. I'm feeling this, and here's why, and mm-hmm. I can communicate it to you. and Right, and cry on demand. And mitigate how I'm feeling accordingly. Whereas, like, the Breakfast Club is sort of the proto version of that because they can't really process and name and identify their emotions but they're getting there right they're yeah. getting closer to it by the end they're crashing into each other and learning things and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean without lamps there's no light right but without engineers what does brian say he can't build the lamp that's an elephant where you pull his trunk and it's supposed to go on right which by the way i would buy that and then that's sort of his interaction with uh now i'm gonna say judd hirsch <laughs> With Bender, um, is that like one of them has skills because he can build a lamp, and the other one can't build a lamp, but he understands particle physics. So, can I? Yeah, can I just say I love John Hughes. He's the best. He is the best. I I just love his style. His style of comedy. It's character based. You know, it's it's so witty. There's some moments that don't hold up to the test of time. Mm, mm-hmm. Thinking more sixteen candles and well, even in Breakfast Club. There's a lot of like you were saying like mm-hmm. there's aggression. a lot of sexual intimidation. Yeah, that's not appropriate um, anymore. And I and I think that Amelia Westavez's character was actually put in detention for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he was. So he's uh, it was it was a more lenient time back then. Yeah. 
but at least he had the wherewithal to understand that the real crime was the humiliation he put the other person through. See, like he was so really, that, was, that, that was he could good. identify that was, I think, a big moment. And then he could empathize with what that kid's relationship with his dad must be mm-hmm. like. like. That's pretty deep. I kept thinking. For a <laughs> Throughout this movie, it's just everybody, so much of the conflict is because they're, they hate their fathers. And is yeah. that, is, is that. <laughs> So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Is that just all art? Is yeah, that, I think so. Are, is our fathers... It, it's all mine. Are, do no, they, are, are fathers the root of all all creative pain, more or less, in, in mean, media? And as a father, are you a little worried about that? Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> I'm very worried about it. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 80s parents were definitely a lot more hands-off, though. Mm-hmm. And the 80s teenagers were really... Sort of awful, <laughs> mainly. Weren't we eight, 80s teenagers? <laughs> well, I was an 80s kid in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Teenager. Okay. So I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't. Okay. Was it, is that just movie kids, or were all kids in the 80s just real dirtbags? What? I feel like. What were they like in Red Dawn? They were the same. They each had one designated thing that they were, and then that's what they had to be. What about, like, on. Were there any teenagers on the show Alf? Were they nice? Like, there definitely were, but I don't remember them being nice. Silver Spoons? Were they nice in Silver well, Spoons? It, it wasn't that the thing. Like, I mean, I feel like he really did sort of nail, like, count. in the 80s, you were a nerd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you were a sporto. Or you were this rich, that preppy mm-hmm. Ralph Lauren thing. Mm-hmm. Or you were a weirdo. Yeah. And as we learn in this movie, the weirdos are the better people. So. <laughs> the moral of the story. So high five. We did it, guys. Um, well, th- so there's always been clicks, you know. There's always yeah. been that. And Were they better people? I don't think that they are. Like, I mean, I'm not currently in high school, but I do interact with high school kids when I teach them improv. So mostly, I'm teaching improv kids. So they're probably all the weirdos anyway. Um, but like, I just feel like people aren't put in those like in just one box anymore. Like, yeah, I, I think that thanks to movies like The Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to the internet, like you. You don't, you won't feel as isolated so or as boxed in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that you're going to find somebody who is like you or somebody who also likes to make videos of unboxing surprise toys. Exactly. Somebody who just loves those Kinder Eggs. Yeah. Just wants to open them <laughs> on YouTube and then eat a Tide Pod. Yeah. Well, um, of course, it, it, we we're probably at the age that we are a hundred percent wrong about everything we see about, about kids everything today. that kids do <laughs> mm-hmm. and see and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, yeah, as a parent, like watching that now and being like, oh shit, I gotta be real, real careful. Oh, about what terrible, <laughs> terrible I, psychosis I, I put on my children. <laughs> I I hope it's like the Breakfast Club. But by the time my kids get there, instead of just sexting bitcoins to each other yeah. yeah i mean they were all virgins practically i mean maybe was that's true you got at it. least the vast majority of them yes what were they juniors i think they were all 15 right because none of them drove that was mm. my assumption was that none yeah. of them were could drive so that be, makes sense yeah and he was like sophomore. and he was worried about losing his full ride oh, so yeah. he wouldn't have he would have still been applying as a junior mm-hmm yeah, let's hope they make it make it all the way there. We're just going to be living in space. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be Ready Player One. Yeah, you're, you're gonna. The real Breakfast Club is going to be everybody eating their school pill in the morning. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> 
plugging into the Matrix. And, By the way, um, nobody ate breakfast in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> there was not much breakfast was, in this club. I feel like it should have been provided. Yeah. They ate, They sure ate lunch. They had so a half hour lunch. to do so. One of them brought soup. You know, a sequel to this movie would have been the worst thing ever, just because so much of the movie is like about what is going to happen next. Mm-hmm. You thinking that, you know? Okay, so... So what do you think happened on Mon- like do you think they were friends or did it just well, go back to ground zero? Ground zero. Ground zero. One hundred percent ground zero. That's the realistic version. And then but the that's the you know, John Hughes, he's ulti- ultimately like an idea an optimist or idealist, a sentimentalist and I his in his he, what he w- would have wanted is that they would have stayed friends, but the total real version is that they would not. Absolutely not. What do you think the moral compass is on Ali Sheedy's transformation? Oh, I did not like that. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Look, she's good now. <laughs> See? Sarah Plain and now Tall is good she's now. Where she gets, okay, so she gets made up by Molly Ringwald. Ugh. She gets beautified. Mm-hmm. More than a woman. <laughs> um, yeah, she gets beautified, makeup. You look so different. Dun, 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 dun. I hated it. I sort of did. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I, I did not I like hate, that. Even as a kid, though, I hated that because I was like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I want to look like the before version of her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's basically what I looked like in high school. It's just like as shabby and scary as possible. <laughs> Only black eyeliner, Converse. I say, like, look, she has worth now. Yeah, oh, like... <laughs> she's conventionally beautiful. Oh. Now her personality is something that you can ignore because she's pretty. <laughs> Like Molly Ringwald. Like, yes. that, is that not the message there? <laughs> Finally, she can be one of us. But So maybe she's the one who does get pulled up out of the... He's like, guys, you've never met this girl. Her name's Allison. She just transferred here from Niagara Falls. Don't ask any questions. This is my girlfriend now. Don't talk to her. She, she has no other respond. life. <laughs> she's... Well, also, where did she get those clothes? Yeah. I that that like sort of frou frou frilly white tank was, top. Was that underneath situation? her giant coat? Could have been. Was she planning this makeover? Well, I don't know if you um, know what she, it's like to be a, a woman, Adam. But every day you I layer. I think you know I don't. <laughs> so so you layer based on who you need to impress throughout the day, gotcha. and like should the moment arise mm. where you need to have a frilly white cotton number that says. I'm a blank slate. Project your insecurities onto me. You have that ready. (laughs) Just like when guys would wear basketball shorts under their jeans, just in case a game broke out. Just in case sports happen. You need to be ready. Got to be ready for every eventuality. So, okay, so it's revealed that Ali Sheedy, basically, she wasn't supposed to be there. She was just bored and needs friends. Mm Mm-hmm. You think she does this every weekend and makes like a profound connection, and it's kind of like, <laughs> and how come she and Bender don't know? Clubbing, yeah, yeah. Why don't they, know, they each don't know each other? For which one, uh, Judd Hirsch? Yeah. Why doesn't Judd Hirsch know Alvin and the Chipmunks? Maybe he has face blindness. Could be that, I guess. <laughs> I, think, I think that'd be a source of his aggression. Because at, at one point, he says she doesn't talk. Is this he knows? Weird? Like he does know her. So she goes there not. To, like, well, maybe she, he cuts out on most of these things pretty early into the process. Like, he's not there usually for the epiphany part. He misses it every time? Yeah. And it would at least explain why she had those extra clothes, because she goes through that makeover routine <laughs> every <laughs> week. Each time. Make she has to. Up. 
but she becomes a different thing. So like sometimes she becomes a brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a cowgirl this time. <laughs> That's who is missing. The yeah. cowgirl. <laughs> right. The the teenage here in Arizona we'd have the, the archetype of the cowgirl. Yeah. A brain. A criminal cow person. I like to imagine her just sitting there the first half of the day, just like, when is Bender going to smoke us out? Seriously. <laughs> That's why she goes every week. Yeah. She, but she's the only one who doesn't po- smoke. Oh, she, well, yeah, I guess that's fair. She's got a job interview coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Did they well, not I have was, drug tests then? I, yeah, I was curious if they drug tested the wrestling team. Yeah. I don't know, they do it that It feels pre-drug tests. Yeah, drug tests were way more expensive back then. Yeah. yeah. The school budget goes to buying more Moliere books and windows. Mm-hmm. He was destroying that book. I was upset. That was upsetting. I've never read that book. Moliere? Yeah, but I was upset. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just reading my notes, and they're all just lines from the movie. (laughs) I just wrote down lines from the movie uh, that I like. So if you had to pick a favorite part, what would your favorite part be? Like, looking back now, and or what was your favorite part as a seven-year-old? As a seven-year-old, it's definitely got to be that dandruff blizzard. That oh, of course, that, of course, that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't your Twitter handle dandruff blizzard? Yeah, I, I'm at dandruff blizzard. Eighty-five. Oh, I couldn't get eighty-five. Oh shit! It, the, at That's dandruff taken. blizzard eighty-five has a lot more followers than I do. Hmm. Um, now, I, th- I think it's at the end when he gets to keep her diamond. I yeah. think that's <laughs> material gain. That just that's, blew that's, me that's away. My favorite. Although, if we're talking material gain, Ali Sheedy gets out of there with everybody's stuff. She's She's got John Bender's knife. She's got Emilio Estevez's sweater and, the, yeah, and th- his, th- like, th- state championship patch. He probably wants that. Yeah. I, it, it, when she took his knife, it's like, oh, she's making sure he doesn't do something stupid. No, she's keeping it. She's keeping it. Yeah. She's got, uh, she's got Brian's wallet. She's got eight or nine changes of clothes. Mm-hmm. She's maybe she steals her bag is just full of the stuff that she steals, like her Hermione's bag. Yeah, and every week she gets to steal a new personality. She just leaves her bag behind and she crawls inside of it, and then every weekend she <laughs> crawls back out. She emerges, and it's a new. What's what's your take on the janitor? Yeah, that, did did you guys notice like the picture of him in high school at the very beginning when they're uh uh-uh. uh they're Mm-mm. scanning through you see all those really cool like the graffiti cuts and stuff of like things people have carved into the paddleboard that said i am eating my head mm-hmm. and there's the i i don't like mondays there's something that says hackers will be expelled like mondays. what there's a thing that says hackers will be expelled did they mean computer hackers or was that something else or is hacking I don't know. people a thing is that anyway. like a, a wood shop warning or <laughs> Uh, but you you see a picture of Carl the janitor when he was oh, the uh, yeah. head boy or like a sportsman. Mm. He's all like young and dashing and yeah, I felt like his was one of those. It didn't quite close. The loop wasn't closed. Like I, it, there wasn't quite a a full circle on him. Was his like so? If that's the case, that he was the cool guy in high school, and now he's the janitor. Is that just like a a big undercut? message of the whole thing just saying high school is stupid high school is stupid yeah and i i like the janitor sort of setting the principal straight and mm-hmm. being like you don't like them they don't like you want them to like you stop pretending they also they hate you 
So maybe don't be such a dick. Yeah, I think his message was kind of like, none of this matters. And he he also said that he was reading everybody's notes Mm -hmm. and going through all their stuff in the lockers. That's... A crime? That's creepy, yeah. (laughs) He brought a lot of beer. There was at least four beers there. Yeah. So he's just drunk at work, fiddling through high school girls' clothing. Mm -hmm. Which, as we all know, they bring a lot of it. And then... For their midday makeover. What were, the, what were the files that the guy was looking through? Confidential files. Like it was just full of medical records for some reason in, the, in that... <laughs> Which I've never had to turn in for a job. <laughs> no. Was the cabinet locked? And was this the first time he's done that? Or does he do that every time? Like, it, every, this was everybody's first Saturday on the job. Uh-huh. Except it obviously wasn't. So just every Saturday, they go, they go through all of this. He's just rummaging for blackmail material. Mm-hmm. Do we think he becomes a better person on Monday? Who, I mean, the, who, the principal, yeah. No. No? He becomes no. worse. Yeah. Yeah, he's on a downward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe just for a moment he was like, you know what? Like, I feel like those kids really learned something today. Like, that one was wearing completely different clothes. <laughs> she looked like a different person. They seem to have all coupled up. I'm building relationships. I'm doing a good job. And then he just walked into the library and saw, like, the mess and the broken glass and, like, smelled the weed and was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I think he was, like, his thought was, where the <laughs> he hell? He sees them all. He's feeling great. He comes in, sees the mess, reads the thing. No. Where the hell are my other four essays? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a thousand words. Well, also, like, I don't know how big this Chicago high <laughs> school is. Wouldn't great if the voiceover that's repeated at the beginning and end was a thousand words? <laughs> Has anyone ever counted? I feel like a simple Google search would solve that question, but let's just say it's a thousand words. Brian would Maybe make a it a thousand, thousand characters, words. but jeez. I would love it, though, if the last line was like, this isn't a thousand words. <laughs> I'm at 680 top. Um, oh, shit. He made forget what I was going to say. What were we talking about? Like, Favorite moments. Whether or not he was going to be a better person. Oh yeah. Yeah, man alive. So so that was, I think, resounding no. Mm. So in terms of my takeaway when I saw this the first time, it was uh, definitely um, those uh, bathroom, uh, which seat covers. What? You, you remember the, <laughs> when he when he goes into the bathroom and puts the seat the seat cover uh-huh. on it, the like the, the the in the bathroom that ends up getting stuck into his his pants. That I only associated that with, like, anytime I see them, I think of that scene. Ah. So there you go. That was your takeaway from the breakfast? When I was seven. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Note to self, be really careful. Don't get that seat cover caught in your pants. Right. You look like a fool. There's there's not a lot of diseases you can transmit to your butt. Nathan, I get the impression that you and I are both very hygiene-minded when it comes to movies. (laughs) Wow. It's kind of our thing. Lunch meat. That we became friends. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, guys, we're really we're we're breaking ground here. We're discovering things. Breaking something. We're learning. (laughs) Do you think the fire alarm went off after that flare gun? It went off in its locker. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was enough smoke to set off the fire alarm? What if John Bender didn't set off a false alarm, and it was Ryan's? firecracker gun wait say it flare mm-hmm. his flare gun bender just got in trouble anyway because he was standing in the hall or he's an adjunct faculty member and that was the story they cooked <laughs> he up definitely is this is like this is some kind of social experiment between between john bender ali sheedy 
No one knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somehow I think the janitor is pulling the strings. Oh, for sure. He's he is a scientist who is collecting data. That's why he's reading everybody's notes. He's <laughs> collecting. He's so diligent. Mm-hmm. He's like the Jane Goodall. Me. Yes. <laughs> he's the Jane. I was going to say the Jane Hirsch. I was trying to say Jane Austen. Jane Austen. <laughs> I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> he's the Jane Goodall of high school kids. And he's like figuring it out. Because Ellie Sheedy was also like 23. I think she might have even yeah, been yeah. the oldest. Yeah, so they were all they were all in their early twenties, except for Molly, Molly and, Ringwald and um, Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, they were both sixteen. Who were both sixteen? Can you imagine like being sixteen and having to hang out with twenty-one year olds? Can you like imagine this? being a twenty-two year old and bullying a sixteen year old all day? <laughs> but that didn't feel good. Yeah, maybe the generation did. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that anger felt like it was coming from a very real place. Yeah, yeah, he said some really inappropriate, like between him and and. Uh, Emilio Estevez. What has he been in since? Judd Nelson. <laughs> or, Judd, or do you want to know about Judd Hirsch? Didn't he um, do a voice in Transformers the movie? I imagine the next thing that Judd Nelson will probably be in is uh, headlines around allegations. Um, he was in a show for a little while that Michael J. Fox was also on. Yeah. And it was like about I being I mean, he's been in stuff. He's been in stuff. They've all been in stuff. Well, they were also all in St. Elmo's Fire in 1985 like that was the movie that they all went to after this where they play college graduates judd nelson Emilio estevez ali sheedy and then they add rob lowe and demi Mm -hmm. moore Mm -hmm. so that's weird all-star cast that's the follow-up so they 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 go into why everyone was there in detention except for molly ringwald she skipped class to go shopping. In the it, so in in that first draft of the script, which I I I, I skimmed, um, it said that she stole the driver's ed uh, car to go shopping. But then they had to use that for Ferris Bueller or something. I don't know, but yeah. So it, it's I mean technically it She's got kind of a problem. She is a shopaholic. Yeah, yeah like, but that's... how how do you say I don't belong here after you steal a car? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you yeah, can so... say I don't belong here for skipping, but. Yeah, so since it's cut, you you can't say that that was the reason that they omitted it. But so it was Judd Hirsch's deal. What was, he there was a lot of violence at home, and he got cigarettes for Christmas. Yeah. Did we know in the eighties you weren't supposed to smoke? I don't feel like we did. I think it, I think back in the eighties it was like it was about where global warming is now, mm-hmm. where there are people who are saying, "No, no, it's fine. Cigarettes are fine. There's no proof." Mm-hmm. We're that, we're Until that. I see more proof. <laughs> we are the 4% of scientists that say carcinogens do not cause cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, yeah, because yeah. in 80s movies, I think we were going to, like, create a running count of all the inappropriate smoking. Yeah, that, that's kind of like the, the drinking of, game. High all of Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Airplane. The movie. Airplane. Just smoking, smoking, smoking. Smoking at the counter, smoking in the cockpit. It's, it's everywhere. Everybody had a cigarette because they were... So good for you. Good times. Mm-hmm. Carton of cigarettes. Happy Christmas. Um, all right. So does it hold up? What do you rate it on a scale of? I think it holds up pretty well, you know, even though, I mean, one of the, one of the, so John Hughes, um, you know, he's since passed, but he was, he basically got out of the screenwriting business because he felt like he didn't understand kids anymore, you know? I feel like everything in that movie is totally more or less applicable to like the way that kids and how they suffer through 
you know, like expectations and like the social structures and, and niches and things like that. I think it t- totally holds up. Like, I, I just have you seen the the new season of Black Mirror? So there's there's in one episode, um, there's like you know they're like in the future or whatever, like twenty years in the future, and and the teenage girls are just like, oh yeah, we want to see an, one of those old classics like The Breakfast Club. <laughs> like I feel like, like it's still sticky in terms of like. Yeah. You know, like some of the movies we've seen on this doesn't quite have the sticking power that this has. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like all these all these '80s movies. There's some stuff that doesn't translate quite as well. Yeah, but I'd say it did pretty well. Like I'd say out of ten, like eight point five on a on a scale of, of ten, uh, ten pieces of lunch meat of holding holding to... up enough. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. Of, this is the lunch of, meat scale. It's the lunch meat. How much I'd, lunch meat say, is this worth? I'd say eight point five. So it only wasted one and a half lunch meats. In yeah, in in thirty years, only one and a half lunch meats have got gotten bad. Have been diminished. Mm. I have no idea if it holds up. I feel like I am too old. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about just in terms of like entertainment and it being kind of a you still enjoyed it classic. Yeah, it was it was fine. It's a fight. The movie's fine. I I feel. Yeah, maybe maybe do you feel? Do may, you feel? May, <laughs> Can you feel? Maybe I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> you really get hung up in those sanitary things. <laughs> I feel like all the problems in it get very briefly addressed and not at all dealt with mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's just like a nice feeling of hey things are going to work out when i don't and maybe it's because i'm old i know that they don't they're not going to work out. so maybe if i was watching it as a 16 year old i'd be like oh yeah i'm full of hope but now that i'm old no i, I it just it makes me even sadder so so are, you most you, identified with the janitor yeah are you saying that much like ali sheedy says you grew up and your heart died yeah, I, I feel like I probably. Do you need a hug, Adam? No, I think mine has died as well. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I, you I, guys. I, now that I have a two-year-old, I think my heart's bigger than ever. But also, yeah, my level of fear and <laughs> <laughs> and my dissatisfaction with mm. very um, surface-level solutions to things. <laughs> so so I, I feel like everybody in that room is going to have a, a real rough go. So what do you think happens to these characters? I think... Where where are they now, 30 years later? Mm, I think that um, Emilio Estevez suffered traumatic brain injury from sports and is now very depressed and overweight. Uh, Maybe has a couple of kids and a divorce contemplating suicide, I think. The actor, not the character. (laughs) (laughs) Not the character. I think Judd Hirsch was probably arrested for statutory rape in his early 20s and then that one i agree with for yeah. impersonating a teenager <laughs> yeah and probably works at a uh, cash only liquor store that sells to underage oh, kids he becomes the new janitor <laughs> yeah i think i think ali shitty's character um just disappears just at some point, and the parents don't look for her. Like she got really into grunge, and she moved to Seattle. She, she leaves mm-hmm. the muggles then, behind, and then returns. like she went. They like a bunch of kids went out to the beach, and then she just never came back. Uh, I think. <laughs> I th- uh, so how you doing, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I think the nerd character. Um, he's he's probably uh, working nine to five at a, a tech company somewhere. And, goes on 
like uh, safari trips to Africa where he kills big game <laughs> to feel good about himself. <laughs> sort of a Cecil the Lion type situation. Um, who's left? The princess? I think she... She's she's probably three times divorced, wondering where all the money went. Can, uh, I, can I counterpoint those? Janitor's dead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, uh, I think the uh, the principal is now a, a a blackjack dealer at Circus Circus. Wow, Circus Circus! I'm not even sending him to a nice hotel. Yeah, that's, that, that's my suspicion as to how everything shook out for these folks. <laughs> What's okay. your counterpoint? I think I think Ali Sheedy got really into grunge. She moved to Seattle. Now she helps uh, find homeless people jobs. Now she's a character in Portlandia. Yes, basically. Claire, the princess, um, also became uh, super into psychology and like understanding the human mind and she's like a really high level um psychiatrist who mainly helps women and identifies like male aggressors and tells them to get away and gives them diamonds (laughs) yes that's her she wrote a book called give them a diamond and it's just about give them a diamond but never your heart exactly uh, yeah, and then let's see who's left. The sports guy, he's a high school coach now. He's the coach. And he loves it because he encourages the kids. He doesn't demand that they win. They're all okay because it's not about whether or not you win the wrestling. It's about how you wrestle it. And like, are you wrestling with your own? Are you wrestling yourself, really? In addition to right. the other teenagers. Inner demons first, then your opponent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, John Bender, statutory rape all the way. Like He's in jail now. So we're, we're aligned on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think you're, I think Brian probably is like a mid-level manager at some kind of like tech company that's not the cool thing, but it's close to being the cool thing. Like it's like the Diet Coke version of iPods or whatever. Like he works for Zune. Like, he works for a place that's hoping to get bought by another place. Yeah. And he just, like, keeps hoping to get that promotion. Yeah. Who's left? Is that everybody? Janitor. How's he doing? Janitor. (laughs) (laughs) So the janitor won the lottery. And, um, like, he still lives in a trailer because he spent it all on a really fancy um, cruise around the world. So he won, like, a scratch ticket? Yeah. Exactly. Like like enough <laughs> he went, money. He went but twelve not grand. Like, not too much money. <laughs> it was under twenty five. It was just enough to take like one nice trip. And the principal, um, he's the last one I The think. principal is still the principal. Mm-hmm. And he's still making kids write essays. Because it worked, man. It worked in the end. Oh, so geez. how do you think this held up? Oh, I think it held up. I love it. I still love it. I wrote a whole page of just lines that I like. Just dialogue that's really good. Uh, what is a Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby? I don't know, but I want to know. Oh, what do you think the What do you think the punchline to his joke was? Oh, do I think you should try and come up with one? So it was a naked woman walks into a bar with a poodle a, under one arm. Right, a poodle under one arm and a three foot salami. three foot salami under the other. The bartender says, "I can see you don't need a drink." And the naked lady says. Kablooey. She says, I need some mustard for my salami, a leash for this dog, and um, and I need a makeover. Can you get Claire in here? <laughs> it's 
weirdly specific. Why would the bartender say, I see, looks like you don't need a drink? It's like, well, no, it looks like I do need a drink. <laughs> like, this is the situation I'm in right now. <laughs> that was a test bartender, <laughs> and you're fired. <laughs> I'm actually your boss. It's, she's undercover bossing. Uh, undercover bossing. I love it. Yes, I need three drinks. A martini for the sausage. <laughs> Whiskey for the dog. That's right. No, I'll just have a, a lemonade. Mm-hmm. All right. So deep cut recommendation. <laughs> Okay, so what I'm, do you recommend? So I'm going to recommend, um, if you're a Breakfast Club, what are the n- name of the fans of the Breakfast Club fans? Is there the Breakfasters? I think it would just be the Breakfast Club. The Clubbers? Yeah. So um, f- get your hands on that early script if you're interested. So uh, it, if you just Google it, it's actually on sellingyourscreenplay.com. If it has the opening monologue that you hear in the beginning with a- Anthony Michael Hall, that's not the version. So this this older version has a lot of stuff that got cut, you know, talked about how Molly Ringwald got into d- detention. Uh, there's some parts that are just totally verbatim exactly of the movie, but there's some parts that are just a little different. So I forgot I had a question I wanted to ask you guys. So they shot the movie in sequence. Right. How weird is that? Like, would you prefer it that way as an actor? What do you think of it as a director? Does it only work if you have one set? Kind of like a play. I think the only stuff I've shot in sequence is before editing, like when we had to do all the cuts in camera. So yeah. it was like literally everything in order in sequence. Like every cut, like you had to turn the camera off, turn the camera around to get the other shot. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, with the exception of like shooting just like a couple of special like locational stuff, you know. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, it'd probably be fun. Let's do it. But yeah, they more or less shot E.T. that way too. She's got a problem with E.T. He scares me. Mm. What are your feelings on E.T.? It's been a while since I've seen it, but I my my guess is I don't like it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you would think. Great to Elliot have you on, Adam. Yeah. Oh, Elliot? <laughs> That's this poor kid. <laughs> Government's keeping tabs on him. Every night before he goes to bed, he kisses the, the camera on his computer and says, Good night, Mr. FBI man. Oh, no. How boring would the rest of your life be after you met an alien as a child? He needs to get that. So the sequel is him trying to get that high again right. of, of having an alien friend. Like a Fox Mulder kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> but he's not in the FBI because he didn't pass any of the psyche vials? Did not pass any of them. Have you seen my friend, E.T.? <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> He's asking other aliens. He's probably got all kinds of diseases now from all that <laughs> contact with a space creature. Who knows what that organism brought back with him? Again, it comes down to cleanliness. Mm-hmm. It's hygiene. E.T. did not use those seat protectors because he, too, was afraid of embarrassment. And so he gave us all these uh, alien butt diseases. So what do you recommend if people <laughs> like well, Breakfast Club? If you... or, or people who don't like Breakfast Club. If if the things that you like about Breakfast Club mm-hmm. is um, sadness and failure in a high school environment, there's a podcast that I really enjoy called The Teacher's Lounge. Yes. It's uh, done by the guys from Big Grande, a sketch group out of Los Angeles, and it is very funny, and it's all about high school teachers who are, who are sad and dark. They're, they're Adam's <laughs> brand of... <laughs> They're so dark that it can't be realistic, and that is comforting to me. 
Let's hope so. Uh, I'm going to recommend Dawson's Creek, but in a very specific way. Okay. All right. Get some friends together. I don't have any friends. Oh, I thought we were friends. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Find that alien you hung out with as a kid. Uh, You got to create drinking game rules and play along with them as you watch. And, like, my recommended ones to start with are every time the characters address each other by their full name. So every time, just (laughs) mid-conversation, they say, Mm -hmm. Nathan Blackwell, what are you thinking? Are you going to go to the cafeteria later? Take a drink. Nathan Blackwell, what's the exposition? Did you hear what Adam Reaney was saying earlier today? He has some dark takes on things. (laughs) Dark takes. That sadness is in the marrow. (laughs) (laughs) Take a drink. Yeah, when people gaze out wistfully at the water, take a drink. Wistful mm-hmm. gazing. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's more of it than you think. So I'm going to say start with those two. It? With those two, you're going to be taking an Uber home at okay. the end of two episodes. So yeah, revisit Dawson's Creek. Drink along. There's one more thing I want to recommend, and it's the TV show Taxi. <laughs> I think it's some of Judd Hirsch's best work. <laughs> some of his earlier stuff. He went through a real transformation for this film. Gosh, he got twenty. He got forty years younger. So that was almost John Cusack, which I think would have just been too sweet. Or and it was also almost also almost Nicolas Cage. Oh, two very different directions. Uh-huh. I think I think they picked the worst of the three choices. I would have loved to see either of those. <laughs> I would have loved to see John Cusack. He's too sweet. He's Lloyd Doppler, man. I feel like that would have made that character redeemable. I would have been so in love. Just 100%. Him with an earring. Mm -hmm. That Kurt Cobain swagger. Bad Lloyd Doppler. I'm in. He definitely would have been more of, yeah, maybe it's best the way it turned out. I think, you know how, like, some women just love bad boys, and I feel like, Judd Hirsch was just bad enough that he wouldn't encourage more women to like those kind of bad boys. Mm-hmm. But he was, but like a John Cusack version of that. He was the perfect level of '80s acceptable rapey. '80s rapey. '80s rapey was a big thing. Like yeah, if you, if you've seen so much. Any of the Revenge of the Nerd movies? Uh, yeah, Sixteen Candles. Yeah, there's they a... basically give a woman to Anthony Michael Hall. Like, she's yours now. She got drunk. Now yep. she belongs to you. Been a while since I've seen that one. And there if is you go back and watch that one. The cultural sensitivity yeah. of Long Duck Dong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we need, to, we need to circle back around to 16 Candles because there's some, there's some problems. All right. So, uh, okay. Are we done? Anything else you need to? Oh, did you guys? Play? What, what? Did you guys have the, like, if it were cast today thing? Ooh. Ooh. We didn't. Do you want to? No, I think Who are you going <laughs> to... Look, the email's more like a guideline. Uh, if you were going to make your, like, Batman Begins gritty... The gritty version. Yeah. Where they, like, really dig down into these issues of neglect. All right. So for the nerd, mm-hmm. I would pick Millie Bobby Brown. Ooh. So you're doing a gender... Mm-hmm. I double spot. cast... What, what do we call those? Gender... I double cast both Swap. parts, both genders. I love it. So for the nerd, I had Tom Holland or Millie Bobby Brown. Wow. I like Millie Bobby Brown. I think she, yeah, she'd be the best. 
for the jock, I had Chloe Moretz. Oh, yeah. She's aggressive, yeah. Or Jimmy Tatro. Did you guys ever see that show, American Vandal? It's on Netflix. He plays an excellent dumb jock. It's hilarious. Uh, For the basket case, I have Jasmine Savoy Brown. Who's that? Did you guys ever see um, The Leftovers? She's in the second season of that, and she's great. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) And then, or the other one would be Caleb Landry Jones. Did you guys ever see? What is with all these kids having three names? I don't know. They all want to be presidential assassins, I guess. Did you guys see Get Out? Yeah. The uh, the MMA kid, the son. Oh, gee. Oh, yeah. He's think, creepy. Yeah, I think Wait, he would for, be. For which character? For the basket case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a troubling. Thing. He would be and very. That neglected. makeover scene would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Shave that wispy Kid Rock mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see the gender swapped version of that. Of exactly. Yeah. For the princess, I would do either Selena Gomez or Dave Franco. Oh, Dave Franco for sure. For the burnout, it would be either Maisie Williams, Arya Stark, yeah, or Decray Montgomery, the bad kid from the second season of Stranger Things with the mullet. Oh, oh yeah. That kid freaked me out. Yeah. That kid is so Cobra Kai. He's sexy. For Dick, I would have either Bob Odenkirk or... Stop, but he would be too sympathetic. You would be pulling for him. Yeah, that would be so sad. (laughs) Wouldn't that be so sad? Yes. Or Carrie Coon. Ooh. I think she would be awesome. I like all your gender-reversed casting. I think those are better, the gender-reversed ones. Yeah. Uh, And then for the janitor, I would have either J.K. Simmons or Tignataro. Yeah, Tignataro all the way. Let's let's get someone let's on the horn. Who all do we call? gender reverse. Tignataro. We call Tignataro. <laughs> we call. She's she's the star maker here. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get her to wrangle all the rest of them. She would like. She would be. She would have that imparting of the life lesson mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. for sure. But I would love to see her and Carrie Coon like in the basement. Yeah. Just like figuring out what is up with kids these days. And I don't understand YouTube. So looking at those classified files, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. We always put that on the thing, and we've literally never done it. Ooh. <laughs> that's, that's, the, the sad thing is I probably thought more about that than anything else. I <laughs> love it. It was, But it was you nailed it. That was really, really good. Yeah. No, I don't I think I know it. enough teenage actors. Yeah, that's my problem. I literally had to Google young actors. <laughs> <laughs> Images. Who do I recognize? Who now do I... you're on a list. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. One other thing that I had was the box office mojo. Top movies of 1985. Where do you think The Breakfast Club lands? Uh, One million dollar budget on that bad boy. Wow. So we're talking like overall gross? Like... Mm-hmm. Total gross, but just for 1985, like not just today, just in 1985. I say 28, 25. I'm gonna say uh, 71. Oh, wow, 16. So uh-huh. maybe not a fun guessing game. They did uh, a good job. Number one, Back <laughs> to the Future. Number two, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. Number three, Rocky Four. We were 
all over Sylvester Stallone. Wait, we were at four at that point? That was a big year for him. Yeah. Uh, Number four, The Color Purple. Number five, Out of Africa. That one, Best Picture. Uh, The Goonies, also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I for sure remember that. Mm -hmm. So it was ranked, what, 12, you said? Uh, Breakfast Club is 16. 16 out of the 22 movies made that year. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, St. Elmo's Fire is down a little bit lower on the list. Burn. Yeah. People are just confused. Like, I thought they were in high school. Now they're doing coke all over the place. (sighs) They took a dark turn. Hanging out with the principal. Uh, So speaking of having a guest and making them do all the work. Yes. We're going to have a guest next time when we watch our movie selection from 1986, which is... The Three Amigos. Ooh, I'm excited. I forgot what we were watching. Yeah. We're going to have a comedian, Heath Wilcock, on that one. Um, You can find us online at mostexcellentpod.com or look for the Facebook group, which is just the Most Excellent Facebook group. Uh, We're also on Instagram at Most Excellent Pod. You can find Nathan at... Hey, uh, Squishy Studios. uh, We're on squishystudios.com, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. You can find Adam at... You can find me at rstudiowebseries.com or actingcoachdanrodand and teachingactorshowtoact.com or just uh, putting in acting coach Dan Rodandon or acting or actor. It pops up in uh, iTunes. Nice. So you can... Or watch 70% of anything that I've made. Yes. Right. Or you can go to squishystudios.com again. <laughs> if you're wondering who is that guy and you have gone to watch Voyage Trekkers, it's that guy. And you can follow me on Twitter at, what was it, snowdandruff85? <laughs> you couldn't get the 85. What was my handle? Dandruff Snow. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, I'm at uh, nctphoenix.com. Uh, you guys know how podcasts work. Like, subscribe, rate, review. What else is there? Thumbs up, smiley face. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Face to face. Breakfast club your friends. Uh, as always on Most Excellent uh, 80s Movie Podcast, we wish you to uh, you know, be excellent to each other and remember that screws fall out all the time because the world's an imperfect place. Adam sure thinks so. <laughs> it really, really does. Good luck out there.